like screenshots of our conversations would go well on the page. Just like block out the numbers so people can't. Our adoring public can't stalk and harass us. Even though half the people who listen to us already know where we live anyway. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, I don't want. I don't. I don't really want to get the stalked by my parents. So you know. Yeah. Exactly. Last thing I want is mom to have my phone number. <laughs> God forbid. Uh, <laughs> um, and on that note. I think that makes actually for a pretty good intro to the podcast. Welcome to Jedi Dropouts. Uh, as always, I am here um, with my absolutely not a stalker and definitely has never had a shrine to anybody in his life, uh, my co-host, Mr. James Moss. It doesn't count if it's made out of their hair. Yeah, of course. That's just yeah. hair. Exactly. It sheds. Yeah, that's all that is. Yeah, I was doing them a favor by cleaning their brushes. It it was it was an absolute fluke. Um, yeah. their hair ended up next to some candles and maybe some pictures of them. Whatever, man, things just happen like that. Well, I mean, I just took it intending to make a pillow, and then I realized like the sheer amount of it I had, and I was just... oh. and who doesn't like candles? Like, come yeah. on. You 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 went you were going for a pillow, and all of a sudden you had a, a full quilt, and I mean. Why exactly. stop there? You had to get the bed sheets. Um, you gotta get a matching set, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm an adult now. I'm not in college anymore with my leopard print comforter. Oh. Which I did have, by the way. I did. I, I think I've had a couple. I think we've all... Like, for some reason, everyone ends up with some sort of animal print comforter at some point. I don't know. Well... My parents were dropping me off at my um, four-bedroom chalet my first day of college. And mom was like, oh, I ran to Walmart. I got you a new set of sheets. I was like, okay, wicked. And she took them out of the bag, and they were honestly leopard print. And I looked at my mother in front of, like, brand-new roommate who I had never met before. And I was like, are you trying to tell me that I should just quit college and go into porn? <laughs> and the look on this dude's face was just like, oh my god, what have uh, I gotten myself into? To that, I would say, why not both? Exactly. You've know, you got to pay tuition somehow. Exactly. Right? Uh, I mean, it's the new millennium. <laughs> let's, let's lessen the stigma. Okay, we're not even into the episode and already a tangent. Uh, off the top of your head... And considering all the geeky pop culture stuff that we talk about and all the nostalgia we get into, yes. favorite uh, from your childhood, like uh, blankets or, or bed sheets or anything like that? Anything? That is not where I thought you were going <laughs> at all. Because, like, we just mentioned, like, porn and sex work. And you're just like, off the top of your head, your favorite. And I was like, okay. And then you were like, childhood. And I was like, huh? Favorite childhood porn. And then you were like, blanket. And I was like, oh. Oh, God. Yeah, let's let's not get into favorite porn um, stars. I had a quilt that was made for me by... Uh, the lady who was uh, the maid of honor at my parents' wedding because she owned a quilting shop 
on the northern peninsula, which then relocated to the east coast uh, until she decided to retire and close up shop. And I really enjoyed that one, but I can't really think, like, other favorite ones. But I remember my family used to go camping, like, every other weekend. Like, we would, like, my parents have a cabin. My parents had, like, a trailer that we used to take around. And on occasions, we would stay in tents. We did a fair bit of camping as a child, and I remember, like, there was a specific sleeping bag we had because we had four sleeping bags and like mom always used to use the same one and dad usually used the same one but there was one that me and my sister would fight over because it was like twice the size of the other one so like you didn't have that like little claustrophobic like oh shit I'm trapped feeling like you could actually roll over inside the sleeping Uh, bag oh yeah 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 um like it could be fully zipped up and you still had room to like turn over and so like this red sleeping bag me and my sister would fight over every time like whoever got it first had it for the weekend but then the next trip we would go on like we would fight over it again fair enough my my answers should be no surprise to anyone i i had two uh sets as a kid of like the full comforter bed sheets pillow case um one being the nhl and i had like uh every team logo and i still have yeah, that one yeah i have that here in my house and uh it's a little worse for wear I'd so imagine, yeah. when we got oakley we kind of made like a little makeshift dog bed out of it in the corner of the closet in case he wanted like a little like enclosed space oh uh, yeah yeah. The other one was Space Jam. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> that pretty much sums me up as a person. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we got a fun episode planned here. We got some conversations we need to get into. Uh, most of the episode is going to be looking forward to the rest of 2019 since we're like a month and a half into it already. Um, but quickly, we got a little bit of housekeeping to get to. Uh, our previous episode was the best of 2018, um, our longest episode to date, like almost three hours long, because we had a lot to say, no surprise at all. Um, awesome. No. Um, so we couldn't get Mitchell on for the last episode because honestly, we would never have had time for everyone's answers. But we could get Mitchell off. But um. Oh, you went there. Oh boy. I are you surprised? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. You know what? I I'm surprised at myself for being surprised. Do you know what I mean? Like I should expect it at this point. Exactly. Um, anyway, Mitchell listened to our episode, and as he likes to do, he followed along, wrote down his own answers, and sent them to me in like basically the size of a short novella. Because he had a lot to say, but uh, obviously we got stuff to talk about. We don't have time for all of it, but I will go through his answers real quickly. Just just because uh, I feel like Mitchell's interests cover a portion of the fan base that we might not at times. That's fair. So, to quickly go through it, uh, Mitchell's favorite podcast of 2018 was called Dragon Ball R&R. 
he says it's basically a radio show based off of really well done Dragon Ball Z fan fiction by a writer from Dragon Ball Z Abridged. And that sounds really fucking cool, actually. I'd like to check that out. Uh, for tw- Yeah, for sure. For Twitch and YouTube, he listed a bunch that kind of cross over. Some of them are both on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, so I'm just and I'm just gonna list everything he mentioned. Uh, loading Ready Live, Draken Gaming, Some Call Me Johnny, Binging with Babish, which was my YouTube pick, uh, Brain Scratch Comms, Game Maker's Toolkit, Linkara atop the fourth wall, and The Completionist. Uh, I've been really into The Completionist yeah, lately I too. I haven't checked this out, but you guys are both talking about it, so I think I might have to. Uh, let's see, books. Mitchell doesn't do a lot of reading, but he picked uh, the Overlord book series. It's not, I don't think it was released in 2018, but it's what he got around to reading. Um, Comic-wise, the IDW Transformers series, as well as the Sonic the Hedgehog comics from 2018. And manga, which was not something we talked about, but of course he would have to. um, A series called Dr. Stone, which I don't know a whole lot about, but I really need to check out because I've heard good things. Uh, video games. Mitchell gave his top six. Ooh. Um, mostly because our number one was his number six. Spider-Man was number six. He had five games he enjoyed more than that. Uh, Mitchell plays a lot more games than I do, and yes. a lot more up-to-date games than I do. Because, like... Yes, he does. It's not that hard for me to pick my favorite game of the year, because, like... I played more new games last year than I did most years, but, like, I've been playing the Super Nintendo Classic, and I play a lot of emulators. Like, I'm working my way through, like, the original Secret of Mana right now. Like, yeah, I play a lot yeah, more retro it. games. Yeah, and we're going to get into uh, 2019 games later, but, like, a lot of the games I'm planning to play this year are games that are already out. Well, there's two games that I'm going to mention later that I'm really excited about because of my love of retro. Ah. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Mitchell's top five. Yep. Uh, now, in no particular order for these three, Dragon Ball Fighters, or Fighter Z. I'm, not, I'm still not sure on the pronunciation I always call it one. Fighters, but yeah. not surprised that made his list because he plays that no. a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Star Allies, which I haven't heard much about. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's a Switch game. Um, and Kirby's always fun anyway. Yeah. Uh, Celeste, which I've been meaning to play. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, is top two. Number two being a game called The Messenger, which I've heard great things about as well. It's kind of a throwback Sweet. sort of game. And, of course, number one, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, and he says here, sp- uh, specifically the fan service the quality of the gameplay and the soundtrack were the highlights of that game for him. Now, I've kind of fallen off a little bit with Smash Bros. Yeah? Because I've completed most... uh, Like, I put a lot of work into the single-player modes. Okay, yeah. I haven't full-cleared everything, but I did play a lot of single-player modes, and I haven't... Like, I stopped playing it and then I when I picked it up again it was past the date where they were giving out Piranha Plant for free and now you have to buy them oh uh, yeah yeah um partially because I was playing Resident Evil a lot but um the online play 
is really laggy at times. Okay, yeah. And that's what kind of deterred me from playing it because I was... Like, the Switch is usually fine when I'm playing, like, Rocket League and stuff like that. And I played uh, Fortnite on Switch for a little bit and didn't have many issues there. But with Smash Bros, it is so bad sometimes. And, you know, I just kind of got a bit frustrated with that and I was I put the game down. Yeah, I get that. I, I've been there, I hear you. Um... He doesn't have any TV show picks for 2018. He doesn't really watch a lot of uh, live-action TV. He does have anime, of course, no surprise. Um, and he has Overlord Season 2 and 3, which uh, if you want to hear more thoughts on Overlord from Mitchell and myself, you can check out the episode Final Form we did last June on it. Um, wasn't really my cup of tea, but definitely uh, a show worth checking out. Um and of course movies um now me and you did top 10 movies of 2018 Mitchell has only he apparently has only seen two movies from 2018 um and one the the his number 2 here he thought was fantastic was uh, Black Panther and yep. his number 1 he claims is his favorite superhero movie of all time if I'm reading that correctly, which is bold. Uh, and that is Deadpool 2. Nice. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, he also notes he has not seen Avengers Infinity War or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet, so they could definitely play into that somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, that's Mitchell's picks. Um, he wrote a lot more than I went through, obviously. But, I mean, he went through the work of just giving all those answers. I had to... Uh... At least acknowledge it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, I want to mention, I don't know if it's pick, being picked up on the mic or not. You might hear snoring in the background, and that's because uh, I got a new dog in the last week, um, and she's wonderful. Uh, so you might hear some background noise. She. Yeah, I've been hearing it. Yeah, I, I know you can definitely pick it up. I'm not sure about the microphone. Uh, and... She is a little bit noisy. She's an old English bulldog, so uh, there's some grunting and <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, hopefully she can stay uh, calm and asleep for most of the episode, but we'll see. Uh, do you want to get into the mailbag? Yes, let's. Let's do it. Uh, i got three mailbag questions here. Um, you said that we had some good ones too, so I'm kind of interested yeah. to see what they are. Yeah, I, I mean, I have sort of a leg up here because I actually collected the questions this time. Uh, we're still, collecting but I like, more. I like being surprised by the questions. I like not knowing what's coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I feel like we got a, a real good selection of questions here. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, Mr. Matt Pike, friend of the podcast, has written in with mailbag questions many a time he has a, a really interesting uh question here just because it's not a topic we've really got into a whole lot um he asks with the announcement that microsoft is looking to expand xbox live to other consoles and platforms what would you guys like to see them do with this um and we don't spend a lot of time on microsoft or xbox 
No, because both of us own PlayStations, and I mean, Nintendo is always pumping out interesting things. Yeah, I've had an Xbox for uh, four or five years now. and See, I do... I've never owned an Xbox of the... any generation. Yeah, the Xbox One was my very first one, and uh, I won it on a bottle of Mountain Dew, so that's the reason I have it, um, which is a story for a different day, I guess, altogether. Um but this is interesting. Just in just in the uh, the promise of potential crossplay between different consoles, and um, do you have anything particular, like any any particular thoughts on this, or you want me to get going? So, what's happening with it? Well, Microsoft came out and they basically yeah. said that they're looking to put Xbox Live on. Nintendo Switch uh, on different uh, platforms. See, I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, I don't because, know Because... Okay. Um, Adrian from Nacho and Dog Gaming. Yes. Good friend of mine. Um, he and I were playing a lot of Rocket League together, as you know, at Atlanticon. We were streaming live from the con, playing Rocket League, on his Xbox. Yeah. I don't own an Xbox, and my PlayStation was being finicky, and I was getting it fixed up, but um, PlayStation is the only system where Rocket League can't play online with other people. Oh, okay. Like, you can play on... Well, okay, let me rephrase that. You can play online with other PlayStation users... But it can't cross-platform with the PlayStation 4. Only um, Xbox, Switch, and PC can. So I bought it for my Switch because I figured, hey, me and Adrian can play together. Now, if I go to a random match online, yeah, me and Adrian might end up playing together if we're ranked similarly and we just luck out with that roll of dice. Okay. But where I'm playing on Switch and he's playing on Xbox, we can't create a team. Like, we can't yeah. make, like, we can't register as, like, we're a team whenever we're playing together, like, we play together. Like, you know? Yeah, like, there's there's cross-play, but there's no cross-matchmaking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So I'd like to see stuff like that. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um because, actually, I've got Rocket League on Xbox One as well, so I would be totally down for playing some Rocket League with you and Adrian. Um, exactly. Yeah, and, like, um, for example, I've got friends... I've got a couple friends who play uh, the NHL games, but they're all yep. on PS4. I have NHL on Xbox One. Um, I'd rather not buy it a second time. And, yeah, exactly. And another another example, uh, Diablo 3. I've had Diablo 3 on... Um, Xbox One for years, and now I have a PS4, and I've been tempted lately to get it again, just so I could play with uh, my friend Will, and and like you know it's it's like it's it seems unnecessary for me to have to buy the game a second time just to play online with a friend. Yeah, I, I wish. And speaking of doing things twice just to play online with a friend, one thing I'm a bit wary of of this is Nintendo, like, you already have to pay 
to yeah. like mm. access online features. Yeah. So if I'm paying already to play online with my Nintendo service, if they add Xbox Live to the Nintendo Switch, is that a second fee I'm going to have to pay? See, I would imagine, but I feel like the way around that and the, the best way to do it is say, like, okay, you have to pay for online with both, but because we have cross-play, we're going to offer a combined price, you know? Yeah, like, offer some sort of discount for bundling. Exactly, a discount bundle where it's like, I yeah, don't know, exactly. 10 15 bucks cheaper if you get both in this bundle. Yeah, I'd consider it then. Which I'd be totally down for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do pay for the PlayStation Plus, but I don't pay for Xbox Live because I don't really, I don't really use it for gaming like I used to. Yeah, I was playing, I was paying for PlayStation Plus, but I have since canceled that. Well, I canceled it when my PlayStation was being a douche, but yeah, I haven't restarted that since it's been working fine. I paid for the year up front last summer. Um, okay. Mostly for uh, I was playing Destiny two at the time, uh, so I might do it again. I've I've been enjoying some of the free games and stuff, so I'm I'm still kind of we'll see, we'll see what I'm doing with online gaming at that point. I guess. Yeah, for true. I'm not sure what exa- what else to expect with this exactly. It, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something to. Um, I don't know, if Xbox and Nintendo start working together, maybe you could see, like, I don't know, Master Chief in, in fucking Smash Bros. or Can you or like, imagine? Whoa. That'd be cool, right? Like, that'd be fun. Just a little, like, not... I mean, you would never get Halo on the Switch, or you'd never get uh, Mario Kart on the Xbox. But a character as, like, DLC, maybe that would be fun, you know? It'd be a lot of fun. For sure. Uh, Our next question comes from uh, a guy I just mentioned a minute ago there, my friend Will Sullivan. Um, And this is going to be fun. He wants to know what our Desert Island movies would be. Uh, He he set the number at five. So basically, if you could only watch five movies for the rest of your life, what movies? Uh, Hook. Hook, nice, good pick. Uh, um, SLC Punk, solid. Yep. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight would also be in my top five. Um. Hmm. Super bad. Super bad. I've I've considered it. I don't think it. I don't know. It it's it definitely would make like top six or seven, but I'm not sure if it makes five. And maybe something a bit more serious and not yeah. so light. I'd pick American History X. Nice, good yep. list. So I've had a bit of time to think about this one, um, and I've kind of been going back and forth because at first I thought it kind of meant your top five movies but it's not really your top five because it's more so like a good you need a variety in there like you just did yeah you need something that like any mood you're in you got something you can watch exactly 
So, like, like for me, uh, Edgar Wright's movies, most of those would make my top ten. But I wouldn't include multiple because, you know, uh, you want a bit of variety. So, I think for my top five, I would probably go Shaun of the Dead, of course. Uh, Dark Knight, as you mentioned. I think Ocean's Eleven would be in there. Nice. Um, and I've been back and forth on the last two a little bit. I think maybe The Matrix... And I want to say probably the Iron Giant. Uh, but like Superbad is very close. Uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail is very close. And I think uh, A New Hope would also be pretty close there. It's yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. Just those movies you can watch over and over again. And I thought about it and like, honestly... Shaun of the Dead, Ocean's Eleven, Dark Knight, uh, Excuse I, me. What, what does it say? Iron Giant, Iron Giant, Dark Knight, The Matrix, Ocean's Eleven, Shaun of the Dead. I've watched all those movies already this year, some of them multiple times. And I don't rewatch movies that much, but I'm, I'm kind of getting more into it. Certain movies are just kind of, um, I don't know, they're just comfort, you, comforting or something, you know? Sometimes you know how a movie is going to make you feel, and you just want that feeling. Like, you're just like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, last mailbag question. Uh, first time write in from my coworker and friend, Mr. Perry Carter. Nice. Um, yeah, he left us a little uh, message on Instagram, and he wants to know. And this is this is a fun one. This is a conversation we need to have anyway. Uh, who do you think would be a suitable replacement to play Wolverine once Hugh Jackman is done? I've seen a lot of people campaigning for Scott Eastwood. Yeah, and you know what? Me and him talked about this on a, on a at work recently, and he also brought that up. I hadn't heard it, but he mentioned it. I also seen an article recently um, campaigning for Daniel Radcliffe. I saw that, and I I I'm was not, I, don't think, I was a yeah. bit iffy on that one. Yeah. Uh, another name I've heard come up quite a bit is Taron Edgerton from Kingsman. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were saying Tom Hardy, too, for a while. I mean, you know Tom Hardy would kill it, but, like, how many superheroes are we going to cast that guy right? as? Um, I agree with some of the people that I was seeing post online that they want it to be more true to the comics and everything like that and not have, like, a guy who's, like, six foot playing wolverine like they want the guy to be a bit shorter a bit stockier yeah and uh i think it's kind of hard to think of someone who's a bit on the shorter side that would have you know the right build the right face for it the right you know the right look and still have the acting chops so i'm gonna have to say i think danny devito (laughs) <laughs> you know he was considered back in the 90s, right? Was he? Yeah, they almost casted him in the 90s. That was a thing. That's wicked. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Um, so, I think the key to casting a new Wolverine is... Charlie Day. To go... <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. <laughs> no, he would, be would be awful. Yeah, um... You kind of got to, 
Like, okay, Hugh Jackman was great as Wolverine. Everyone agrees with that. Yeah. Uh, you kind of got to look at what he did that was different and, and just kind of just kind of cast differently. Like, I think you can't try and make it the same character. You can't go for the same style of Wolverine. Like you said, shorter, stockier, maybe, maybe a little more aggressive, maybe a little more, um, I don't know, savage for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like... Yeah, uh, he lashed out at times in those movies, but for the most part, he was pretty mild-mannered. And he didn't say Bob nearly enough. No, didn't smoke nearly enough cigars. Um, didn't wear the costume. you got to have the costume if you're going to do it again. Because yep. that would separate Wolverine from the Hugh Jackman Wolverine, right? Amen to that. Uh, so I don't really have a good pick for this. I think, um, I think I do like Taron Egerton a little bit, but I really like that guy's acting. Um, he's short. He can do action. I'm curious to see how gruff he can get. Maybe how much he can bulk up. Um, uh, but I don't know. I I don't know. I think you might. Maybe he would have to go for an unknown. An unknown would be a really good thing. It would, like get some unknown actor to come in, do a good yep. job of Wolverine, like put him right on the map. Like I mean. Yep. Before Tom Holland played Spider-Man, he was pretty well unknown. Mm-hmm. Marvel is so good at this. Chris Hemsworth, yep. Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, guys that like did not really have much of a buzz around their acting are now superstars. Absolute superstars. A-list fucking million dollar actors. Yep. Marvel, I think that's what they'll do. Like, I think that is the way to go with it. And, I mean, if you look at Chris Pratt on... What was he on? Parks and Rec? Where he was playing Andy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You look at the guy on there, and you would never expect him to play a legitimate superhero. Never. And then he did. He got in phenomenal shape. He showed a completely different side to his acting. Yep. And so, I mean... Maybe there's someone who's perfect for the role, but doesn't fit the mold currently, but they can get themselves into shape for the role that we're just completely just blanking on. There might be someone who is a bit heftier that, you know, gets in shape and slims down a bit. There might be someone who's skinnier and just bulks right up and dyes their hair and... Yeah. Like, we might just be completely blanking on, like, the perfect Wolverine just because, you know, we're thinking of people who actually look the part now as opposed to people who could transform into the part. Yeah, and on the same note, um, I feel like Marvel does this thing where they cast guys and, and, and women that you never knew could do action sequences or fight scenes. Yep. Um, didn't know they could do serious acting. And, I mean, how many comedic actors have they casted? Chris Pratt, again. Paul Rudd? Who expected Paul Rudd to be an action star? Right? Right? Like, they've done it time and time again, and I I trust Kevin Feige and the whole whole crew over at Marvel at handling this. They haven't led me astray yet. No, not once. And I honestly don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I don't have any, any good suggestions here like I, I don't know 
Yeah, it's a hard one to um, pick. Yeah, for sure. But I'd, I'd like to see some unknown actor get the part and it be like a really solid launching point for their career. Yeah. I'd like to see yeah, someone sure. really likable come in and just get the break of a lifetime and be our new Wolverine and like do such a good job that people are like yes like Hugh Jackman was iconic as Wolverine but this guy is a very good replacement Yeah, that's what exactly. I want sounds good to me especially someone and... with a real feel good story to them like yeah oh yeah yeah for sure and on the note, well, for starters, that's the end of the mailbag, but uh, a nice little segue into a conversation we really got to get to here. Um, Wolverine is going to be one of those iconic heroes that will have to be recasted in a reboot, but so is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we got to get around to the Batman conversation. Um, director Matt Reeves the uh the director of the upcoming the batman as it is currently titled uh he previously did dawn of the planet of the apes and war of was it war of or war for the planet of the apes the last two planet of the apes movies i don't know i haven't seen any of those admittedly they're they're great movies i gotta say the guy is is real fucking talented um and he's doing the new batman movie he uh, has talked a little bit about what he's looking at. Um, he is saying that it's going to be a focus on Batman as a detective. Because, you know, world's greatest detective, for so they say, he's never really been much of a de- detective in the movies. Um, yeah. It's going to feature a rogues gallery. So multiple villains. And they're looking to cast someone between the ages of 25 to 35. So a younger Batman than we've seen. Um, okay. And, of course, since then, uh, since he came out about this, both Warner Bros. and Ben Affleck himself have officially declared, I mean, we all knew it, that Ben Affleck is done as Batman. Um, yes. Batfleck is out. Um, love him or hate him. He, he definitely left his mark on the role. Um, so, what do, you th- what do you think about this upcoming Batman movie? Uh, any potential casting ideas? Or even rumors you've heard that, you're, that you find interesting? Um, I was pretty opposed to Robert Pattinson at first. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, some people delivered some pretty convincing arguments. I mean, I'm going to ignore the cases some people made that anyone's better than Bat- or Affleck. Because, you know, I actually think Affleck did a good job. I think he did a great Batman, uh, aside from Justice League, and um, a, a, a not-so-great uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He was better in, in the cowl than in, in the suit, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought he, I thought, he, I, I don't know where all the hate came from, especially with, you know, some of the previous Batmans we've had. 
I mean, he was a hell of a lot better than George Clooney. Oh my god, yes. And at times, at least, in certain scenes, I thought he outdid like some of the better ones like Michael Keaton yep. and Christian Bale. And we, we've had conversations about our, uh, our personal favorites and least favorite Batman actors uh, on a previous episode from last year. Um, but where do they go from here in terms of... Like, what are you looking for in a new Batman? Um, I want to see... Well, first of all, if there's any fight scenes, they have to be fluid. That was my yes. big issue with Christian Bale was how robotic and mechanical his fight scenes looked. Like, if I'm to believe that this person is not only the world's greatest detective, but um, one of the world's best martial artists, you can't be fighting like you're doing the robot at, you know, some stupid college party. Like, he was... I don't know. I'm not getting into that right now. But uh, the flight, yeah. the fight <laughs> scenes need to be fluid. It needs to be yeah, believable sure. that this guy is the world's greatest detective. Like, he can't be just, like, some bro like they've done to Aquaman. I like the movie, but I think having him kind of like, oh, dude, was a poor choice. Um, Fair enough. He has to... Like, he has to be able to... Hmm, how do I phrase this? Like, when he's Bruce Wayne, he has to kind of... Okay, remember that scene where Affleck was planting the bug in Lex's place? Like, he was siphoning off that information at the party? And the guy, yeah, or, yeah. um, Mrs. came downstairs and she was like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. And he was just like, pretended to be a little drunk. And he was like, oh, I was just looking for the bathroom. And as soon as she left, like, you just seen his face just go straight back to business mode. Like, you need someone yeah, who's yeah, going to yeah. be able to, like, when they're in Bruce Wayne mode, throw people off the scent. Like, there's no way this guy could be Batman because yeah. he's... Just some billionaire playboy idiot. Like, you need someone who's going to be able to just, like, flick that switch, like, off and on, being like, okay, it's business mode. Oh, there's people around. Hey, I'm I'm just a drunken billionaire playboy, and they're around the corner, and I'm all serious again. Like, yeah, I, I think um, what I was going to say is, is essentially what you're saying here. And that is that when you're casting... You could probably word it better than I can, so... Okay, what I'm going to say here is that when you're casting Batman, you're essentially casting one actor for two roles. Uh, three roles. Three? Yep. You have Batman. Yep. You have Bruce Wayne detective mode, and you have uh, Bruce Wayne playboy. There you go. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. You, ne you need to be able to play... Uh, well, I mean, essentially, yeah, like, there are the two variations of, of Bruce Wayne detective mode and Batman, but, yeah, you need, yeah. And I'm differentiating Bruce Wayne as a detective from Batman, because Batman, you catch Batman being 
detective mode, and he's just like, I'm fucking Batman, I'm the world's greatest detective. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, you keep doing your detective shit and, like, grabbing those clues. Yeah. But Bruce Wayne has to be a bit sneakier about it. Okay, you know what? I, because he doesn't want his cover blown. I agree with you. I get this. Okay, so you're casting for three roles. You need to play the actual Bruce Wayne, and then there's the character he... Facade he puts on. Yeah, the, the two various facades he puts on. The, the one where he's the intimidating Batman, uh, yep. uh, portrayed out to, um, to various uh, police force and, and criminals, and, and the, that, that mask he puts on. No pun intended. Yep. Uh, and then the mask he wears as the billionaire playboy. So yes. yeah, that's that's you you like people refer to it as a a dichotomy, but it's sort of a, a trichotomy. A trichotomy is that a word? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, you have to be a chameleon in that role. Yeah, you gotta be like really working the gears there. Um, yeah, and the fact that especially from the uh, Playboy and Bruce Wayne roles. Mm. You have to be able to turn those off and on at like the snap of a finger, like as like you know, like like I said, if he's being Detective Bruce, yeah, and he's looking for clues somewhere, and then someone just like stumbles around the corner into the alley that he's in, yeah, he has to be able to just like switch off Detective mode and like play it off like oh this is the reason why a drunken billionaire playboy is in this alley by the garbage oh i had one too many and i you know couldn't find my way back to wayne manor yeah um i'm gonna name i'm gonna throw it here just based on on this idea of playing multiple roles um yep not someone i had thought about until literally just now and yeah he's played uh superheroes before what about James McAvoy as Batman? After seeing him in Split? Yeah. He can do it. He could do the, the different roles and he can change on a dime, right? Yeah. Hmm. Even in um, X-Men Days of Future Past, like there's some scenes where he's just like composed and in the chair and like well-dressed and like... You know, like, he's very composed, and then there's other scenes where he just seems like a complete mess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, well, then, obviously, Split and yeah, Glass, well, yeah. which I haven't seen, but I'm assuming it's, you know, it's a sequel to Split, so I'm assuming there's more of the same. Yeah, of course. Um, the only other name I'm going to throw out there, because he was my pick up until now, I'm kind of questioning it now because I like James McAvoy a little bit there. Um, the other pick that I've had in my head is Army Hammer. Uh, I was just going to say that, but I haven't seen a lot of his work. Yeah, I get that. I've heard a lot of people, like, campaigning for him. I was going to say maybe John Krasinski. Yeah, yeah, I could see John Krasinski. Like, John Krasinski has to... Especially after A Quiet Place. Yeah. John Krasinski has to be some superhero in the future. It's got to happen. Yeah. Whichever he's tall, he's you know, like worked on his physique a bit more since yeah. his days as Jim Helpert, yep. like early seasons of The Office, yeah. and like the dude is rugged and handsome looking. He can be funny. 
Like, yep. A Quiet Place showed us he can, you know, carry serious roles as well. Yep. So I'd like to see him as any superhero, really, but I think he could be a decent Batman. Yeah, for sure. Um, the movies that I'm gonna like, okay. So Army Hammer, the reason that he comes to mind for me, um, I've seen a bit, a, a couple of little like offbeat movies that really stood out to me. Um, well, I mean, Social Network was a big one. Uh, I think based on his work in the social network he he clearly could play the billionaire playboy type and he's done a couple other roles where he really pulled that off um but i watched uh, as i mentioned in the last episode sorry to bother you he is a big part of that movie and this other movie uh free fire little like just off weird indie movies that he was in and like the range of the acting it's fucking incredible. Um, he can do action scenes like nobody's business. He's got the physique. He's got the the rich playboy, handsome face. He's got the fucking chin. Like, I don't know. I, I think Ernie Hammer is a real good fit for Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Um, he, he's a popular choice. I've seen his name around a bit. But, uh, yeah, that's just who comes to mind for me. Hmm. Wicked. Yeah. Um, any other... Uh, any, anybody else do you want to throw in? Um, I thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt might be a decent pick, but that would just make it seem like it's a sequel yeah. to The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and people are very easily confused in that manner, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I I would I would still go see that for sure. Um, so at that point we're gonna leave this up to you guys, the listeners. Um, our question to you guys for the episode is: uh, Who do you want to see play Batman? Um, who would you go pay money to see play Bruce Wayne on screen in the the new Batman movie? Uh, so leave your answers in the comment sections message us uh doesn't matter any of the social media and we will uh we'll get to them on the next episode um yeah yeah so i guess it's the point of the show where we can review a couple things we've seen recently yep uh before we get into what we're looking forward to in 2019 let's get into what we've already experienced in 2019 um I'm going to go first. I don't have a whole lot to mention here, but I'm going to get through it pretty quickly. Um, I watched three new movies, mostly through uh, streaming services, of course, because, you know, I'm, I'm out here in Port of Mass with no movie theater. Uh, yep. First two from Netflix, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw is interesting, <laughs> to say the least. It is a... It's like a an art gallery horror satire, which is a little different. Um, this comes from the director Dan Gilroy. He was behind a movie uh, a few years ago called... This is the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. And he did a, a Jake Gyllenhaal movie a few years ago called Nightcrawler, which I highly recommend. I yep. fucking love Nightcrawler. Um, it's not as good as that, 
it's a little bit muddled. It kind of um, the pieces don't fit well. Like there's a really good art uh, satire movie in there, and then when the horror parts come in, it seems like it isn't the same movie. It's a little a little off in that way. Um, but Jake Gyllenhaal is great in it. He's playing a character I've, I've never seen him act like this before. Uh, definitely out of his comfort zone. Uh, Tony Collette from Hereditary is in it. The whole cast is, is pretty phenomenal, really. Um, but, yeah, like it, it's, it's not bad. It's a pretty decent movie. Uh, definitely worth a watch. It's a bit of fun. And um, I, I just feel like there's a better version of this movie somewhere. If, if it had been a little more, uh, I don't know, just a little more concise, I guess. Um, the next one, another Netflix original called High Flying Bird. Um, this is from Steven Soderbergh, who rarely makes bad movies at all. I mean, the dude made Ocean's Eleven, Magic Mike, uh, fucking Traffic, Aaron Brockovich... Like he he has a really good track record. Uh, this is a sports legal drama, which is an interesting genre to say the least. It's based around uh, an NBA draft pick uh, trying to negotiate contracts and stuff uh, during a lockout season. Um, so like it specifically is definitely up my alley being. A, like that deep into uh, sports on the contract side of it, which is something I'm really interested in, and also being a well-made drama by Steven Soderbergh. Um, better than Velvet Buzzsaw, pretty good movie. Um, probably not something I'm going to watch a bunch or anything, but I, I'd watch it again for sure. Um, great acting. Zazie Beetz from Deadpool 2 is in there. Uh, a couple other great actors. Andre Holland is the star, and he's fantastic. Um, I'd also I'd recommend all the movies that I watched here. Nothing nothing blew me away, but everything was pretty enjoyable. And the third, definitely the most interesting, is a movie called "The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot." What? The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. <laughs> sure. Hey, James. What do you think this movie might be about? Drugs? Would you believe it if I told you this movie was about a guy who, at the end of World War II, killed Hitler, and then, later on, killed Bigfoot? Spoiler alert. Like, he literally, he literally does these things? Yeah, yeah, it's literally, but that's, it's the plot of the movie, yeah. What the shit? And guess who stars in this thing? Jeff Goldblum? I don't know. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Sam fucking Oh Elliott. my god. Mustache and all, man. Um, it's way more laid back than you would think. It's kind of a character drama, weirdly enough. Uh, it shows a lot of flashbacks about how he was an undercover soldier in World War II. Uh, was the guy to shoot Hitler between the eyes and was covered up um, has been kind of living in solitude ever since and he gets hired by the government to go up to the Canadian wilderness and kill the Bigfoot because 
as they said, Bigfoot is carrying a potential society collapsing plague. Um, yeah, that was the movie. Um, I, I mean, with a title like that, you gotta recommend it. It it wasn't quite as action packed as I would hope, but Sam Elliott acts the fuck out of everything he ever does anyway. So, go check out the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Um, I gotta be honest, the only reason I watched this movie because I saw that title and I said I would really like to talk about this movie on the podcast, I should watch it Okay, I, I just had to look into something because Sam Elliott was nominated for an Oscar <laughs> Yeah, he was As Best Supporting Actor Yeah And I was like, it better not be for this fucking movie that you're talking about But, no, that was for A Star Is Born Yeah, yep yeah, I don't want to get into A Star Is Born. That movie pissed me off quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I scored everything, of course. Uh, those three movies, I would give a score of maybe like between five and six slices. Maybe like five and a crust on the good pizza scale. Uh, which, if you haven't heard us talk about our good pizza scale before, a good pizza scale is based on an eight-slice pizza. So. Yes. Um the other two, uh, two little TV shows. One I finished, one I have not. Uh, literally just came out a couple days ago. Uh, Netflix for both, again. Um, the Umbrella Academy. Have you seen any of this? I haven't. I've been working like crazy yeah. lately, and I haven't had a chance okay. to check it out. It only came out like three days ago, so. Um, I've seen the first two or three episodes. Really, really good so far. Really fun. Um, I don't watch superhero TV shows like I used to just because the genre is a little bit crowded to say the least um, but Umbrella Academy is based on a comic series I read years ago written by Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance um, and the ideas are so outlandish um, the basic idea is a bunch of orphans are adopted by a rich billionaire and they all have superpowers and he kind of turns them into a child superhero team and it uh, takes place later on as them like with them as adults um, really crazy show like pretty violent uh, very funny uh, the cast is fun Ellen Page is probably the most recognizable actor in there and uh, yeah, I, I I will give that a proper score and a better review when I finish it. But I had to mention that I'm enjoying it so far. Um, awesome. And the last one, uh, a show that I had no expectations for, did not hear anything about, and blew me the fuck away, um, is a show called Russian Doll. Have you seen anything about this? I've just scrolled past it on yeah. Netflix on my way to turn on How I Met Your Mother when I'm going yeah. to bed. Exactly, right? That's that's what I thought. Like, I'm usually ahead of the game on these things. When a new show comes out that people are talking about, I'm looking forward to it before it comes out. I'm on the game, right? Um, yeah. Russian Doll came out. I saw the image. I thought, okay, whatever that is, I guess. Um and scrolled past it because Netflix puts out so much shit. They put out new shows every week, and you can't watch it all. 
And then I saw a review, just the headline saying, Russian Doll might be Netflix's best show yet. So I said, huh, what is it about? And basically they said, the, the less you know, the better. It is basically a twisted modern Groundhog Day. Uh, okay. Stars Natasha Lyonne from uh, Orange is the New Black, American Pie, and a bunch of other stuff. And basically, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. She keeps reliving the same day over and over. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to get into the plot at all. But for me, this is a solid six and a cross, edging on seven slices. This is a fucking hell of a show. Uh, so much fun. And it takes that that uh, that idea of reliving a day, like the Groundhog Day, Happy Death Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, that whole thing, and it really takes it to new places. Like, it goes some interesting places, and it manages, instead of, like, um, in Groundhog Day, for example, like, he kind of relives the exact same scenarios every day. Uh, this, yep. this one goes more into, like, how making different decisions change the outcome of that day. And, and just the ways they go with this is so fucking good. Uh, it's only eight episodes and it's only half hour episodes. It is a very quick watch and I cannot recommend it enough. And that is everything I've seen so far in 2019. Nice. Okay. Let's get into yours. Um, I haven't seen much so far this year. Yeah. Um, I really only have one show, one game, and one movie. Yes. Oh, I got to stretch. Oh, there we go. Um, where should I start? Game, show, or movie? Uh, well, let's... Whatever order you want, the movie and the show will end on your game. Sure. Um, I'll start with the show because uh, it's the one I've seen least recently. Okay, yeah. And that would be season two of The Punisher. Yes, which I'm not sure if you saw the news, but just prior to recording, uh, The Punisher and Jessica Jones have been officially canceled. Which we saw coming. Yeah, we... we yeah. Um, but they're still releasing season three of Jessica Jones. Yes, they they just, yep. you know, yeah. once that is released, it is done. So yeah, uh, Punisher season two was one of the things that I actually did see this year. Yep. Um, what can I really say about it? It wasn't as good as the first season. No. I can say that without, or with fucking near certainty. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really know where to go with uh, Punisher Season 2. It... Yeah, it was... A bit weaker. There was, like, there was a character in it that, for the latter half of the season, she was 
interesting, but the first half, like, no matter what kind of situation she was in, she was just, like, making the stupidest decisions, and it's just like you wanted to shake the shit out of her. Yeah. And you're just like, Frank, just, like, ditch her on the side of the road, man. Like, <laughs> but obviously he didn't. Yeah. Um, didn't really like that they still, like, they, I'm gonna do some spoilers here, but, uh, they used the same villain from the first season. Um, and so, it's kind of like, it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. Um... It was obviously, you know, Billy Russo. Yeah, yeah. And I just, like, if you're going to be Jigsaw, like, yeah, he did have some facial scarring. But have you ever seen Punisher Warzone? Um, no, actually, I've been meaning to get around to watching that. Okay, Punisher Warzone's version of Jigsaw, like, the dude starts off as, like, you know, he's clean-cut guy obsessed with his looks, blah, blah, blah. And he comes out of that looking like fucking Leatherface. Yeah. Meanwhile, this Billy Russo has like three little scars on his face. And it's just like, really? This this is the jigsaw that's unhinged and like so traumatized by his... Like, I just wasn't buying it. Yeah, I hear you. And that and, like, it's like, come on, like, there's got to be other Punisher villains than just, like, getting closure with Russo. You would think, yeah. And, I don't know, it, I watched it, but it still just, it really didn't do... A whole lot for me. Yeah, I hear you there. So that's really all I have to say about it. It's I watched it all. It I got to the end. It was good. It wasn't great. Like it definitely lived in the shadow of the first season. Mm, yeah. And yeah. So, that's where I'll leave The Punisher Season 2. So, you want me to get into the movie next? Yeah, yeah. The movie... um, So, one of Emily's best friends was in town with her boyfriend. And, like, we've hung out with them before, like, done the whole double date thing and... Like, they were on the West Coast, so we decided that we were going to make an evening out of it. So, we, you know, like, the girls went and did their thing, and I was sleeping mostly, and Lucas was skiing. But then we met up for sushi and decided to go to a movie. And of the two options that were playing here in Cornerbrook, we decided to go check out The Upside. Which, I mean, I watched the trailer for it, and I was like... Eh, Kevin Hart is hit or miss for me. Um, but I really like Brian Cranston. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, let's go check that out. 
So we went to go check out the upside, and it was funnier than I expected it was going to be. Like, I should have known a movie that had Kevin Hart in it was going to have at least a few laughs. And, I mean, Brian Cranston can be pretty funny, too. Nicole Kidman had her moments in there. But this movie was fantastic. Like, I I laughed, I cried, I, I felt things. Like, yeah. it was just all around a good fucking movie. Uh, fun fact, this movie is actually a remake of a French film uh, called The Intouchables. And, yes. Uh, the Intouchables, I don't know if it still holds the record, but at the time that it came out just a couple years ago, it was the highest grossing French movie ever made. Uh, it, like, it absolutely broke the box office in France. So, it's it's interesting. Like, I haven't seen The Untouchables yet, and obviously I haven't seen The Upside yet, but I'm, I'm curious about both. Yeah, it, it was, like, we had a little bit of a conversation afterwards, Emily and I, where we were saying, like, you know, it, it would have been interesting to see had they uh, cast a, like, an actor who actually, you know, was quadriplegic. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, there were things that Brian Cranston did in that movie like I would have felt almost uncomfortable if they had done that with an actor who was quadriplegic because like there were certain scenes where Kevin Hart was like lifting him and pulling on him and Brian Cranston still had you know the body strength to you know if it was going to be dangerous for him. He could have resisted and, like, straightened himself up and things like that. Yeah. Whereas if it was an actual quadriplegic person, like, you know, there's some scenes where Kevin Hart is underqualified to be taking care of this person. Yeah. And he's just, like, dragging on them. And that's the point of the scene, like, that Kevin Hart is underqualified to be taking care of this person and he's pulling on them the complete wrong way. Mm. And is running the risk of injuring this person quite badly. Yeah, I hear you. So if he had been pulling on an actual quadriplegic person in these ways, you know, it it could have been a bad day for that person. I mean, as, as much as the representation would have been great, there were, and I mean, with stuntmen and everything like that, like, maybe they could have figured out ways to do it that would have been completely safe and effective. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know the most about how those practical effects and everything work. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. But I really do have to say it, it was a good movie. It was one of the better uh, roles I've ever seen Kevin Hart in. That's good. Because normally I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Hart. Like, no. There's you and I had this conversation last night, and maybe we'll post a few screenshots on the page. But yeah, it it was mostly Brian Cranston that okay. did this for yeah. me. 
He's just such a good actor, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you've got a video game, a pretty well-hyped and, and popular game as of right now that you played recently. Yes. Um, I played Resident Evil 2, the remake, mm -hmm. for the PS4. Yes. Um, I haven't completed all the campaigns. Okay. There are, uh, when you play this game, there is the Leon A and Claire A campaigns, which, when they first get separated shortly after meeting, you know, Leon A is, is the scenario where Leon makes it to the police station and initiates the story and Claire I is you know the same situation but with Claire and there is some divergence in the story after you know everything starts which I mean I won't get too into spoilers and everything actually you know what fuck it it's a remake of a game that's over a decade old yeah <laughs> um Leon runs into Ada Wong and they're spending more time in the sewers and Claire runs into Sherry Birkin and there's part of it where you're actually in an orphanage. Uh, the final bosses are different, which was fun. Um, for the most part, I enjoyed Claire A more than Leon A, but I enjoyed the last boss fight for Leon more than Claire. Okay, yeah. But... I played through Leon B. I haven't done Claire B yet, but that's right up there on my to-do list. I did unlock uh, fourth survivor mode when I beat Leon B, which is you play as the mercenary hunk who, like, there's, like, this mode is fucking hard. Yeah. You have a set amount of ammo from, like, what you have in your inventory when you start the mode is what you have. Like, there's no drops, there's no pickups, nothing. And basically, you start at, like, one of the endpoints, near the end point of the game. And you have to make it to the extraction point. Yeah. And so you basically run the game backwards in a half hour or less and what you have in your inventory is what you have you have like three healing items you have x number of bullets you have a ham you have a couple of grenades and you are going to run into everything like you're going to run like you're gonna have more dog like there's more dogs in this half hour playthrough than there are in all of the main campaign there's zombies galore. You are going to run into the tyrant. There are going to be liquors. You're just when you think you're getting close to the end of it, there are like the plant zombie things that can one hit kill you. And like I tried it a few times and I made it like three quarters of the way through most of the time and it was fucking hard. And then I tried looking for some tips online, and, like, most people were saying, like, 
if you can run past something without dying, do that and have at least one hand grenade left for like the very last room because you're probably going to be out of bullets and it's a narrow space with like the most zombies per like space like the volume of zombies in this very claustrophobic space is ridiculous and it is literally impossible to run past them and your hand grenade probably isn't going to kill all of them so you toss it like kills some of them scatters the rest and you just basically have to like dash through the tail end of the explosion so that none of them can grab you and by beating that you will unlock tofu which is another playthrough of the fourth survivor but you're a brick tofu with a knife say what now um, when they originally did this in Resident Evil 2 back in the day, they wanted to test the hitbox okay. of your character. Yeah. So they, you know, it was literally a box. It was a big rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. And so they played around as just this big rectangle to test out the hitbox when you were trying to run past zombies and stuff like that. And it ended up looking like a block of tofu, so they actually made it into a block of tofu and gave it a knife and made it unlockable. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. And they included that in the remake as well. So, and, you know, the high-def graphics, it actually really looks like tofu. That's amazing. But all you have is a knife. And once you beat it with tofu, I'm not sure if you have to do it in a certain time or not, but when you beat it with tofu, you unlock another mode, which I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a spicy tofu. <laughs> and basically, this is a playthrough where you're tofu, except you have, I believe, nothing but grenades. That's amazing. I could be mistaken on that last part, but from what I was reading, it's like he either only has grenades or only has a flamethrower or something like that. Like, it, it it's supposed to be ridiculous. But they just uh, released some DLC for it called The Ghost Survivors. Yeah. And I think um, it centers around several of the NPCs that you come across throughout the game. Yeah. Not 100% sure. I haven't looked into it yet. I haven't started playing it yet. But the plan is I'm going to take a run at that after I beat Claire B. Uh, can I just but, say, if they had marketed this game with the title Block of Tofu with a Knife, I w probably would have bought it. <laughs> yeah, really though. Like, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. The fourth survivor is very hard. Yeah. Um, after the first playthrough, I kind of got used to like it took me 11 hours-ish to beat Leon A and all the dark corridors and everything. Like, it was spooky and I didn't know what was going on. And especially when Tyrant showed up, like, I ended up saving every time I came close to a save station. Like, yeah. it was, like, I was paranoid. I was panicked. I was like, oh, fuck. But... Uh, my Claire A time, I got down to six hours, and my Leon B time, I got down to four hours. Good stuff. Yeah. 
And the difference between the A and B scenarios is like Leon B is as if, you know, it's you're playing from Leon's perspective in the Claire A scenario. Like there's one scene partway, like there's one part a little ways into the game where like if you're playing with Claire, she sees that Leon is outside the side entrance on one of the security cameras. So she goes out and talks to him through the fence. Yeah. And then like there's an explosion and she's like, oh, that woke up a bunch of those zombies there. They're starting to come through the gate like you should really get going. And then they part ways again and don't run into each other until the very end of the game. So, Leon B picks up, like, it starts right here, outside the fence, talking to Claire, and then you go and, like, by the time you get inside the police station, like, you know, Claire's already done a bunch of shit in there. But then, it turns out, like, there's a second last boss, after you beat the last boss from A scenario, and then you meet up with Claire, and then there's another last boss after that one. So, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. There's a few unlockables I have to get. Uh, I have to clear the game in under... Under three hours to unlock infinite ammo for certain weapons. And uh, then there's S plus rank, which is under a certain time with three saves or less. So, those are the things I'm going to be striving for after I take my little break from it. I was going a bit too hard at it for a little yeah. bit to the point where, like, I was, like, going to bed and dreaming about the game and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that and getting restless because, like, oh, I got to go kill some zombies. Yeah, I hear you. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to put that down, play some more of my retro games, bust out the SNES for a little bit, take a little break, and then I'll go back and do Claire B. Yeah. I hear you there. I kind of did the same thing with Spider-Man. I, I put yeah. down Spider-Man for a little bit. I'm gonna get back at it later. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop into God of War. I think I'm gonna give that a go tomorrow. Finally. Nice. Got it for Christmas. I've had it sitting there for two months. So. Um, on that note, you want to segue into video games that we're looking forward to in 2019. I do. Uh, I'm gonna go first because I'm I, I've got a very quick little list here. Um. Most of what I'm going to play in 2019, I th- as of right now, or most of what I'm looking forward to, are games I haven't got around to yet. Uh, as I just mentioned, going to start God of War finally tomorrow. I'm very excited about it. Um, and I don't know, maybe sometime uh, during the year, I'm probably going to pick up like uh, maybe Red Dead Redemption 2 looks good. Uh, I've got Persona 5 sitting there. I've got a lot of games I'm going to get around to in 2019 like that. Um, but in terms of new games coming out, the only two that are really on my radar right now, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 looks good, but I never buy those games at launch because I'm not really looking to pay full price for a fighting game like that. Yeah. Um, and the only one that I'm, I'm definitely going to pre-order and get at launch is the Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled Remaster. Because See, I figured you were going to say those two, and yeah. I didn't include either of those on my list. Yeah. Crash Team Racing is just a, a bunch of fun, and it comes out right around my birthday. Um, 
Yeah, hint, the, hint, nudge, nudge, Charlotte. Yeah, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. If my wife happens to listen to this episode, or happens to be in the room, standing like ten feet away from me, um, <laughs> um, actually, it, it, that's kind of a joke because I think she's more excited for it than I am. Um, that's all. all the well, then that's even better because know, right? you know when you buy someone a birthday gift, yeah. but you get more enjoyment out of it yeah. than they do. But they're still stoked about the gift, like you yeah. know, like that's win freaking win. Or, or on the other side of it, um, could just buy the game for her, and then I still get the game and an additional birthday gift. There you go. <laughs> like, see, I see no downsides no, to any of these no, situations. I can't lose, right? Exactly. Um, what do you got? There's you no... Put in the cheat codes. <laughs> that's that's the only uh, games I have for 2019. Uh. Some of the games being released this year that I I know very little about, but just knowing like the franchises and such, I'm a little excited for them. Uh, there is a Battletoads game coming out. Yep. Uh, we're getting Digimon Survive. Okay, yeah. Which is going to be an RPG, and... You can make multiple different decisions about how your Digimon digivolve, and like, you know, like the choices you make actually affect like how the story ends and stuff like that. Apparently, and it takes multiple playthroughs to get like all the situations and scenarios and endings, which sounds good to me because yeah. I enjoyed Digimon as a child. Yep. Uh, we're getting Luigi's Mansion Three. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which I loved the first one. I still haven't completed the second one, but I've played a bit of it on my 3DS, and I enjoyed that. And so I'm excited to see what they do with the Switch for that. Uh, We're getting Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah, that's right, too. Which, the second one was a lot of fun. I, I played it on the Wii, unfortunately, which was probably the weakest version of it. Yeah. But... I still really enjoyed that game. Uh, I, you know, like those types of RPGs, I don't have a lot of experience with. It's like that's the only one I've played like that. Like, I haven't played Diablo or anything like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I did have a lot of fun with that. I like how the second one touched on the storyline of Civil War and stuff like that. So, I'm excited to see what they do with the third one. Like, what story's going to be like if they're going to adapt something from the comics or if they're going to go with something completely new for the game uh we're getting a currently untitled pokemon project for the switch later this year which i don't know if it's going to be like the next like next generation of pokemon which i believe it is yeah but also there's been rumors about um because they've done remakes of Gen 1 with Fire Red and Leaf Green. They did Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which were remakes of Gen 2. They did um, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which were remakes of Gen 3. So there's been rumors floating around that they could potentially be doing remakes of Gen 4, which were Diamond and Pearl, which were some of my favorite Pokemon games. Like, if I had to rate the generations, Gen 4 games were right up there like my biggest complaint about gen 4 
was that was the last gen where you couldn't use TMs multiple times. Like, TMs were still single use. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if that's really the biggest thing that's keeping the game from being, like, my top gen, then, man, like, you know, like, every, like, the remakes of Gen 3, TMs are reusable. Uh, when they redid Pokemon Yellow to make it into Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, TMs are now reusable. Yeah. So everything from Gen 5 on has had reusable TMs, so I'm assuming they will be in this game too. And if they, if it's going to be on the Switch and they're going to make it look as gorgeous as they did Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, then that's going to be fantastic. I just hope that they... Um, go back to the catching mechanic and everything that they had from the main Pokemon series because I think the only reason that they had a different catch mechanic in Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee is because those games were tied into Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So if they take it back to the old catching mechanic and in Let's Go most of your experience doesn't come from battling other trainers or battling wild Pokemon it comes from uh, catching things and chain catching so I hope that they fix that and make it more like the older Pokemon games just you know a few tweaks to make it more modern and like make it beautiful but speaking of games that look like that like uh, remakes of games that look fucking gorgeous they're remaking Link's Awakening oh yeah I heard about that for the Switch and the few screenshots I've seen looked very like similar to Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee and this is a Zelda game that came out on the fucking Game Boy yeah but it's still like referred to as one of like the best Zelda games like there's a lot of Zelda games out there like when you get into like Phantom Hourglass and like like Minish Cap and like there's a lot of Zelda games Oracle of Seasons Oracle of Ages like there's like obviously you hear about Breath of the Wild Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask as like some of the top ones but for its time like people are like man Link's Awakening was really fucking good so I'm excited to see what they do with that one and just because you've mentioned it a few times apparently we're getting a new toe jam and earl game this year yeah that's right <laughs> toe jam and i earl have no idea i have no idea anything about it yeah. but when i seen that it was coming out this year i was like i just gotta throw that in there just because of how many times ryan has just cracked jokes about toe jam and earl <laughs> yeah who knows maybe i'll check that one out um is that it for video games? It is. Okay, let's get into TV shows real quick. Um, not a lot. I've only got five to mention. I've got a few to mention, but I don't really have a lot to say about them. Just because, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's three there where I've said everything I'm gonna say about these shows, and the other three, I don't know a whole lot about them yet. So, uh, uh, three shows that. Uh, took all of 2018 off, and I'm excited for them all to be back. Stranger Things Season 3, 
of course. Yep. July 4th is the premiere date for that, and I will be binging it and probably watching it multiple times that weekend. Uh, Game of Thrones Season 8 comes back April 14th, final season of that show. That's going to be a big... And at some point in 2019, Rick and Morty Season 4 will come, and I can't wait for any of those. Uh, some of my favorite shows on TV, and they're all coming back this year. Uh, in terms of new shows coming out, um, all coming out relatively soon, actually. Uh, Jordan Peele's new Twilight Zone series comes out on April 1st, and that looks exciting. Um the FX TV series What We Do in the Shadows based on the comedy by Taika Waititi comes out on March 27th. Yep. That's going to be hilarious. I can't wait for that. And um, lastly, Good Omens, the adaptation of the Neil Gaiman Terry Pratchett novel is coming out May 31st. And I'm very excited to watch all of that. Uh Good Omens, the cast, everything looks fantastic. One of the funniest books I've ever read, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it for TV. I think I'll have more to say about those shows when I actually get to see them. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... There's a third season of Queer Eye coming out mm. on Netflix. I still haven't watched any of that. Uh, Emily and I sat down and watched, like, I watched most of it. She watched a few episodes without me while I was at work. I'm not going to hold that against her. But, no, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And, like, some of it was relatable because, you know, they were coming in and they were making over these guys and, like, helping them redo their, like, helping them become more confident because they were like you know they would actually get down to the root of like okay why is it that you're you know kind of staying to yourself and wearing clothes that don't fit you and things like that like why is it you only wear your work uniform and basketball shorts and you know like they would actually help these guys feel more confident like yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was pretty heartwarming. Cool. Uh, you mentioned Stranger Things. Um, Jessica Jones Season 3. Jessica Jones was probably my least favorite out of the Marvel Netflix series, but I didn't hate it just because it was my least favorite. You know, like... Yeah. You're, it's like asking me, like... Like, Jessica Jones, for me, is like the yellow starburst of the <laughs> Netflix Marvel series. Like... Like... It's my least favorite flavor, but I'm still going to eat every yellow Starburst in the pack. Yeah. That's, and that's a, that's a good comparison, if, yeah. if I'm like, hey, can I have a couple Starburst from your pack and you just hand me like all yellow ones? I'm, I'm still going to eat it. I'm still going to be grateful. I'm still going to enjoy the Starburst. Yeah. It's just not my favorite flavor. So definitely going to check that out and I'm waiting to see if uh, they're going to do another season of Santa Clarita Diet this year they are if, I think I think the release date uh, was announced just the other day actually I think it's coming like I want to say next month maybe 
Yeah, well, Santa Clarita Diet, I'm excited for because I've been loving the shit out of that show. I still haven't got around to season two, but season one was phenomenal. Season two was fun. I, I probably should watch it. It's, it. I'm sure it's a very quick watch. Yeah, it it's not a long watch at all. Yeah. And with that, uh, we'll get into the movies. Uh, that was your last TV show, right? It was, yes. Uh, before we get into the movies, we got a couple um, listener picks here. We uh, asked on the last episode what movies you guys are excited about in 2019. Uh, didn't get a lot of answers, but that was our first time asking a question back to the audience like that, so hopefully it takes off a little more. Um, well, you got to start somewhere. Exactly. Uh, three answers in here, probably all movies that are going to be talked about. Um, Nikita Roberts Osman says Detective Pikachu, which I'm sure, yep. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to mention. Um, yeah. Uh, Katie Sutton says Captain Marvel. I assume that's going to be a very popular one amongst a lot of people. Um, coming pretty soon as well, right? Uh, March 8th. Yeah, there you go. And Matt Pike, of course, taking this question as seriously as he could, asked if Debbie Does Dallas 3 counts. Um, <laughs> uh, he says, if not, he'll have to go with the new Hellboy, which... You know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm going to mention Hellboy. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a pretty good little... You, you have more of a top five for this. Yeah. Whereas I just have a just list of movies. Yeah. So I'll let you go first with your top five, and then I'll just kind of fill in my picks yeah. as they come. Okay. Like, after you're done your five, I'll just mention anything that's on my list that you didn't mention. Yep. Yeah, I'll run through these pretty quick. Um, I actually did top five non-Disney anticipated movies because Disney has enough movies to do like a top Aladdin and the Lion King. and It's it's unreal. Between Marvel and Star Wars and, I mean, there's Fox movies that are coming out that they technically own now. Um, Yep. And their own animated live action. Like, it's crazy how much Disney has coming. So I did a top five without Disney. I mean... It's you would assume that Star Wars and Avengers are some of the most like uh, some of the movies I'm most excited to see this year. So uh, oh yeah, I just wanted a bit of room for other movies here. Um, number I, I have them numbered uh, I guess uh, number five Godzilla King of the Monsters comes out May thirty first. I love everything with giant monsters destroying shit, and this has a ton of them. Um, also has Kyle Chandler, has Millie Bobby Brown, great cast. Uh, I love the first one. I love what they're doing with the Godzilla and the King Kong movies and all this stuff. Um, and I will definitely be seeing that when it comes out. Uh, as just mentioned by Matt Pike there, Hellboy comes out April 12th. I love Hellboy. Probably my favorite superhero. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this. Uh, David Harbour looks like he's going to have a bit of a different take on the character. And it looks like it's going to be a little more, a little closer to the comics than Del Toro's uh, movies were, as much as I enjoyed those. Which, surprisingly, like, a lot of people are pissed off about this, Mm -hmm. about, like, how David Harbour's Hellboy looks, 
even though it's closer to the comics. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. It's like everyone kind of accepts the Ron Perlman Hellboy as the true Hellboy instead of the comics version, which is a little strange. You don't see that very often. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm fully on Maybe board. once they actually watch the movie, that'll change. But, I mean, yeah, some people don't like to give things a chance at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number three, uh, one of my favorite directors, uh, even though I guess he's a little bit problematic now, um, but he still makes great movies. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out July 26th. Um, kind of got to separate the guy from his work at this point, just from some of the shit that he's done and said. But, uh, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, I can't even remember the insane list of the, the cast of this movie. Uh, takes place in old Hollywood and is based semi around the Charles Manson, the Manson family murders. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy um yeah you know it always is with tarantino um and the top two of course are horror movies and are no surprise to anyone number two it chapter two comes out september 6th um not only yep. do i get to see a sequel to a movie i loved that i'm excited for because it's the second part of an already existed story but I get to see my own... I, I'm torn on which one you're going to say for number one because there's two picks here that I'm like, uh, it could be either one of them. Hmm. Um, and I've got them both on my list, okay. so we'll see yeah. which one it is you actually say. Yeah. Uh, the other reason I'm really excited for It Chapter 2 is because rarely when you fan cast things do you get to see those fan castings on screen and they actually casted two actors that i personally picked like oh my god ages ago yeah like back in 2017 when we first saw the original it or the it chapter one bill Hader, yeah jessica chastain and the rest of the cast looks great too uh but my number one without any question is jordan peele's us I that's what I figured you yeah, were gonna say. I'm, I'm excited. I figured it was either that or Pet Cemetery because I know you're yeah. uh, Stephen King fan. Yeah, Pet Cemetery would definitely crack the like. I, I would say it's probably the sixth movie that I'm really excited to. This movie. Uh, this my God. What am I talking about? Uh, the one of the movies that I'm definitely most excited to see this year. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that the hype isn't too much for us based on Get Out. I, I really hope that like I, I have faith in it I, I feel like Jordan Peele is the real deal here and he's going to deliver uh, a movie may, if not as good as Get Out but like on the same level uh, all the trailers everything I've seen so far look amazing the cast sounds phenomenal I mean Get Out was one of the best horror movies I've ever seen and even if it's a fraction as good Us is going to be great Oh my god, yeah. Uh, March 15th on that one. And yeah, those are the movies I'm most excited for. I mean, obviously, I left out Disney just so I could mention some of those. Uh, Disney has a ton of movies I'm dying to see this year as well. And I didn't even mention Kingsman 3 comes out. Kingsman 3 didn't even crack my top five. 
Yeah, really though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, what do you got? I just listed off. I don't have the release dates here, but I just listed the movies in order of theatrical release that I'm most excited to see. Like, there's other movies I'm excited to see, but just not most excited to see. Yeah, I uh, I actually so, probably have the release dates for most of them here. Cool. <sighs> Sorry. Um. So we have Captain Marvel. Yep. Which I believe is March 8th. Yes. Uh, as you said, Us. Yep, March 15th on that one. Um, pretty, we have pretty Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery that comes out April 5th. Okay. Shazam. Also April 5th. It's a good, good day for movies. Good weekend. Yep. See, the worst part about that is, though, with the shitty theater we have mm-hmm. here, we are either only going to get one of them or neither of them. Yeah, and the thing is, too, Dumbo comes out the week before, so Dumbo's probably... And we're probably going to have that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hellboy, as you mentioned. Yep, that's the following week, April 12th. I don't think Hellboy has much of a chance of getting to Corner Brook. No, I'm mean, I, I not... Hold my breath for that one. No. Avengers Endgame. Yes, April twenty sixth. Well, like most of the exciting movies this year are early on in the year. Yeah. Um, Detective Pikachu. I assumed you would be very excited for this. Uh, May tenth. Yes. On that one. Yep. We have Spider Man Far From Home. Spider Man Far From Home is the second most exciting thing happening the weekend it comes out because it comes out the day after Stranger Things Season 3. Um, there you go. July 5th. Um, pretty much, like, almost to the to the day, uh, two years after the uh, first one, Homecoming. Yep. Um, we have Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, I forgot about that one. I do not have that release date, but that's somewhere around, I think, August, maybe? Yep. Uh, as you mentioned, It Chapter 2. Yes, that's coming out in September. We are getting the Walking Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's, uh, what, October? I'm excited, to, I'm excited to see it, but at the same time, I'm skeptical going in. Yeah, almost the same way I felt with Venom. Yeah. Like, I'm excited at the promise of it, but I'm cautious. We ha- And we have Star Wars Episode Nine, oh, which is going to be around Christmas sometime. Yeah, that's uh, the 20th of December, right before Christmas. I mean... Yeah. And there's also rumors that there's going to be a Dynasty Warriors movie coming out this year. I know nothing about the details, but... Um, yeah... It's either going to be really good or really bad. Yeah. And I hope that they don't butcher one of my favorite video game franchises based loosely on historical events like the ninth iteration of the game did. Hmm. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, like... I don't know how they're going to do a Dynasty Warriors movie because I think it will work best as an anime or a Netflix series. Yeah. Because the, like, more recent Dynasty Warriors games, like, 
you have your staple characters who have been there since the first like couple games when there was only like 20 characters but when you're getting later into the series like they keep taking more people who were previously NPCs and making them playable characters and you're up in the 80s or 90s with playable characters now yeah so like that's really way too many people to focus on and like like you're not going to be able to build enough of a story or background for all these characters for you to really like appreciate some of their accomplishments or you to like properly mourn them when they die and things like that like yeah and if you're going to try and include all the characters you're going to have to spread the story so thin for other characters that are vitally important so i don't know i'm i'm kind of really fucking skeptical about this movie yeah but at the same time like i want to see what they do with it yeah like, I think their best bet is to say sorry to people who have, like, favorite characters that are outside, like, the main part of it and just stick to, like, what they did with Dynasty Warriors 6 and have, like, a smaller roster of playable characters and the story mode focused around, like, three to five people from each of the kingdoms. And those were your main people. Like, obviously, the Kingdom of Shu is going to be Liu Bei, Guan Yu, Zhang Fei, and Zhou Yu. Or Zhao Yun. And Zhou Yu is going to be there for Wu and, like, the Sun family and... Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I just... And I don't know where they're going to cut it off because, like, as the games progress, like, they keep going like further and further with the story like the dynasty warriors games cover like a couple hundred like not a couple hundred but like about a century's worth of chinese history like you start off with like like liu bei and then like by the end of it you're seeing like his son liu shan like take over for him as a grown man and then like he lives out his full life until he passes so like it's covering at least two generations of characters and families and warriors and stories so like I I <coughs> sorry frog in my throat I don't know, like, how they're going to do it, but without spreading themselves too thin, they'd have to focus on just, like, a small group of characters and maybe one to two of the big battles from this thing. But, yeah, like, you should really look into the lore, just, like, the TLDR lore of... Dynasty Warriors and Romance of the Three Kingdoms and just see how expansive this is and all the battles it covers and all the characters that were involved just to see like how badly they could butcher this movie. Yeah, I I, I can only imagine. Like 
80 plus playable characters in a game and there's still people who are like NPCs who they're saying like they may add to future games as playable people. Wow. Yeah, and like DLC characters and just like and a lot of these people do play like semi-important roles. Yeah. And without that, you're just going to be like oh, that dude just sacrificed himself. Cool. Whereas, like, if they gave that character the proper development that, like, his, like, kingdom's story arc did in the games, like, you might shed a tear or two. Yeah. But there's so many, like, so many, like, sacrifices and deaths and, like, things like that that they don't have time to give it to it all so yeah, yeah I'm waiting to see what happens with that but I am prepared to be disappointed yeah yeah sounds about right they should make it into a Netflix series and it like it's kind of like Avatar Avatar had like the Fire Nation the Water Nation like you know the land nation or whatever they were called. Oh, you're, ta- and oh, then... you're talking about the, the last Airbender. Yeah. Oh, when you said it's kind of like Avatar, I thought you meant it had big blue Smurf people. No. No. Okay. No. I'm talking Avatar: The Last Airbender, like the anime. Mm. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. Like you have like it starts off with Wei Wu and Shu. And then the kingdom of Jean comes in, but before these kingdoms even, like, get off the ground, there's, like, like, China was divided into, like, like, dozens of provinces, and there were all these different, like, families and factions, like, fighting over control of it until it, like, just became these big three that were warring for control all for different reasons like they all like really want like saw their end goal as like what was best for the land but they like one guy was like no i i have to be like i have to be powerful so that you know the evil will not rise another one was like i have to be benevolent and do what's right for the people and like you know there's a lot of stories to tell in there a lot to unpack yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens yeah. there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be an episode of Jedi Dropouts without a good tangent, anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that wraps it up of our uh, most anticipated everything of 2019, everything we're looking forward to, and everything we're eventually going to talk about when it comes out. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, you can check out other episodes of Jedi Dropouts, Final Form, and whatever else we do over at www.jedidropouts.podbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and make sure you check us out on social media. We've been asking some various questions, having some fan polls. Um, 
getting a bit of uh, listener feedback and stuff like that over there. Uh, which is fun stuff, you know. We're always looking for mailbag questions, that kind of thing. And uh, you recently had like you had like a little uh, Harry Mod Harry Potter. What the fuck is that? Harry Potter uh, movie poll. It's an amalgamation of Harry Potter and James Moss. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, you had a bit of feedback there. You were uh, talking about uh, favorite Harry Potter movies, which I think is something we should probably eventually get around to. We haven't really talked about Harry Potter on this podcast yet. No, we haven't. But I found it pretty interesting that pretty much everyone who answered was saying the same thing for their favorite Harry Potter movie. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, I think, was the, the fan yeah. favorite. Yeah. I, I think that would probably be my favorite as well out of the movies. I think. Maybe. At least one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a conversation for another episode. Um, yep. And thank you for dropping by. And something something, drop out. Later. Peace. This has been a Jedi Dropouts production.